The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, hi, welcome. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I welcome you to the Visual Workplace this week. Welcome to the visual workplace where the floor, the tools, the benches, the paperwork, the machines speak. And if you're in the offices, then the walls are also speaking to you, as well as your desks and your drawers. All these inanimate objects have something to say, have something to contribute to our work, besides just standing there or sitting there or lying there or being there. They can be part of your excellence in performance, your journey to operational excellence. The visual workplace is about a physical event. It's about putting visual devices in place so that the workplace speaks. And each week in this weekly radio show, we explore and celebrate the principles and practices of workplace visuality. We look at concepts and tools, methods and strategies. We look at people. We look at results. We look at the result of letting the workplace speak, which is, in my experience, a 15 to 30% increase in productivity. And if you're already lean, then it's usually about an 8 to 15% increase in productivity, but it can be much, much more, depending on the fineness of the um, implementation of lean that you have in place. Mm-hmm. In each of these shows, of our shows, we look at some aspect of that. And what we're looking at is how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices. And what's the result of that? Why do we do it? How do we do it? And what's the result? What do we reap as a result? And we reap huge bottom line benefits and we reap huge cultural benefits, which I summarize as simply, we enjoy ourselves. We enjoy ourselves at work. We make our contribution. We are steady. We are focused. We are precise. We are part of the alignment that is called a unified workplace. And in this show, I share some aspect of what I've been doing now. It's going on 32 years. My goodness, the more time we spend together, the more years I spend in visuality. I do my research with you on site with companies, helping you implement and also looking at what's standing in your way and asking and responding to the question of how can visuality help. And as a result of that, over the last 30 so years, I've developed nine core methodologies in visuality that span visual order, which is my formulation of 5S, 
two visual displays, which for me is a tremendous assistance, visual assistance to supervisors, visual leadership of which displays are a part. But how can we help our leaders reach a much higher level of effectiveness through visuality? And there are many, many ways. We were talking about this in the spring, and we will begin that series again, the second half of that series in the fall. As you gather again, (laughs) get your holidays and your vacations uh, under your belt and all rested up. We talk about what that means for the machine shop. For a shop with 100 or 200 or 300 machines, how do you help the machine speak? And how do you do it in such a way that it is the result of a thinking process, of a logic that's being applied, so that it can be applied not just once, but iteratively, time and again. This logic is a set of principles, principles that are applied. They are very broad principles. Let the workplace speak, tell the difference by looking, tell by looking, and levels of, of principles of that of that size. Excuse me, I have to call. <coughs> I have a dreadful summer cold, and it is catching up on me. Better now this week. So that's what we do in this show. And it doesn't matter whether you work in an open pit mine or an automotive plant. It doesn't matter if you work in a hospital or a bank. Visuality is the language of the workplace. It is an embedded language. It is the embedded language of our intelligence, and it is embedded physically into the landscape of work, into the things of work. And it doesn't get there unless you put it there. It's a very intentional application, a very strategic application as well. So welcome to the show. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that I like to describe as we are visual beings. It's kind of looking at the fundamentals of why visuality works. I just have a few announcements. We have a series of seminars coming up, but the schedule isn't quite in place yet. There'll be public seminars, and we're doing lots of work on site. We have a wonderful training of trainers with a major, let me call it, footwear company here in uh, <laughs> here in Portland, Oregon. I'm not permitted to give you their name, but they do wonderful, wonderful footwear. I bet you have them on your feet right now bouncing around and uh, feeling um, uh, very sporty, let's say. And then we're going over to Rhode Island to do another cycle with a different group, uh, another training of trainers on site in, um, in September. We may be doing another one with the machine shop in October, or so I hope. And so, and travel, I think I'll be in the UK in probably November, December, and then probably go again in China to China somewhere in March. I was very, very pleased, as you know. I spent two shows on this with the reception there, and we can do a lot of great work together. I can hardly wait. Um, Beyond that, my new book, which has been long and coming out, Smart Simple Design, should be out in about four weeks. The holdup has been decisions around the cover because we wanted to have a a cover that was both smart and simple and well-designed, and we think we have the components in place. We're working with a wonderful designer. His name is Iwan Sujono. Iwan is I-W-A-N, Iwan Sujono, outside of Sydney, Australia. And the long distance works. Even though it's so far away, we do things on WebEx, on JoinMe, and um, and he really has a flavor of how to make visuality in design uh, 
look um, robust and beautiful. And he's done the same thing with our Smart Civil Design book. I'm very, very pleased with uh, with that. And while I'm sending out kudos, I send one to my esteemed editor, Aurelia Navarro. She's been editing my books for the last 35 years, and I tell you, she's superb. She's superb because she keeps your voice. She keeps the voice of the author. She doesn't impose her voice, and she helps to surface that. So that's been very, very lovely. And I'm deeply into that because we're in the last moments of getting this book out. So let's begin. I'm pretty, oh, let me give you the phone number. If you want to call in, we would welcome your call. The listener call in line is 866 472 5790-866-472-5790 or you can email in radio at visualworkplace.com radio at visualworkplace.com and you can also visit our website at visualworkplace.com we're going to have a new site in about two months we just met on that yesterday also and it's going to be very very cool there'll be uh, a, a place for you to get stuff from us free Uh, stuff that I've been longing to share. We just haven't had a a platform, but we're working on that now. So it's all all very wonderful. Today's show is is called We Are Visual Beings. And what I say about that is we are visual beings and therefore we live in a visual world and not the other way around. The world did not teach us how to communicate visually or how to respond visually. We taught it. It is because we are sensory beings that we require the world to give us sensory information. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to kind of move along uh, into that discussion uh, through um, an orientation that I call the gap. I want to talk about this idea about, uh, of there being a gap, perhaps. Perhaps there is a gap in your company a gap between what is supposed to happen and what does happen. Is there a gap between what is supposed to happen and what does happen? Is there a gap between what work is supposed to get done and what actually gets done? Is there a gap between the quality that you want to provide your customers and what actually gets delivered? Is there a gap there as well? And is there a gap between what you need and planned for a product to cost and what it really does cost with everything rolled up and rolled in? Is there a gap? Is there a gap between the way things are now and the excellence you, sh- you seek? Mm-hmm. It's always a journey. Do you notice the gap? Do you notice if there's a gap between what you, for example, think of people today and what you used to think of them? Are they better in your mind? Do you expect more? Do you expect more of yourself? Are you better in your mind? Are you inspired by the people you work with? Are they inspired by you? Do you think better of them and do they think better of you? Is it rewarding, satisfying, or is there a gap between what you dreamed it would be, for example, and wanted it to be? when you came to work when you were 18 or 20 or 20, 25 or 26 if you went to college, <laughs> is there a gap between that, your expectations and what's really happening? And if there is a gap 
either on the money side, quality, cost, delivery, or on the cultural side, your expectations of yourself and others. How are you addressing that gap? Or how are you compressing it? What strategy are you using for reducing it? What's your improvement methodology? How will you achieve operational excellence from where you are now? Excellence. The only destination that resolves all supposed to happens into does happen and did happen. Reliability. Hmm? Stability. Systems. A foundational environment that allows you to do the ordinary and the repeatable and also explore outside the box. How do you do that? How do you squeeze that gap? And I say, on your road to excellence, if your excellence plan does not include workplace visuality, you will fail. I say that very clearly. I say it perhaps boldly, but I know it's true. If your plan for operational excellence does not specifically, intentionally, precisely include workplace visuality as a methodology, not as just some point solutions, then you will fail. You may achieve that excellence for a moment or two, but it will never, never stabilize without visuality, without a systematic application. I want to develop this theme after we come back from our first break, which will happen in a moment. And I want to kind of walk you through a different perspective on visuality than talking strictly about tools and applications. And so you come back in a minute. I'll be here. We're going into our break. the boardroom to you voice america business network are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company Gwendolyn galsworth visual workplace expert and award-winning author is available to help you harness and maximize that power with nearly 30 years of hands-on experience dr galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars site assessments total company conversions keynotes coaching and consulting learn about visuality through our books dvds on-demand webinars visual edge learning packages and a host of other teaching materials enroll in the visual lean institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or qmi affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses keep your visual workplace going and growing visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality our products and services and when gwendolyn will be presenting near you that website again is visualworkplace.com Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. 
Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome, welcome to the second segment of our show today, The Visual Workplace. And today we're talking about the fact that we are visual beings. And we're going to kind of unroll and unnest that so that I hope that you will see the interface between what I'm saying, the connection between what I'm saying and what you're doing at work, how you're running your company, how you're making money, and how you can stabilize and promote better outcomes through visuality. So this is going to be a conceptual discussion. But nevertheless, we were just talking about the gap if there is one in your company. And if there is one, how you're addressing it. And it would be the gap uh, between your expectations and what actually happened. Or, if you will, what is supposed to happen, your standard operating procedures and your standards, your specs, your values values meaning your dimensionalities, and what does happen, what actually does happen. And if there's a very wide gap between what is supposed to happen and what does happen, you're going to experience work as struggle. You're going to not look forward to work when you go in. You're going to have a lot of hard and unsatisfying work to do while you're there. When you go home, you'll be exhausted and not looking forward to the next day. You go home and you kick the cat. You know, you drown the goldfish. It makes, it makes life hard. And what, I'm, what I was saying before the break is that if you are looking to shrink that gap and visuality is not a part of that thinking, you're not going to be able to make it. It's as plain as day. You won't be able to make it without visuality. More and more companies, more and more people, more and more leaders are realizing that. Because visuality is the glue. It is the foundation that will make all your systems stable. And that will allow an alignment between these systems, between departments, between people, between work performance, to naturally develop and grow and connect and align. A workplace that speaks can survive anything. If it is put into place systematically, a visual workplace, which is a workplace that speaks, that speaks, can survive personnel changes, handle multilingual workforces, and will hardwire excellence into your processes. So I want to talk about this. I want to enter us into a discussion that I call We Are Visual Beings. Most of us value visual devices as a series of point solutions, useful and relevant and, yes, even clever just as a hammer is clever and useful and relevant, especially if you have a nail and two pieces of wood. But what happens if you don't have 
a nail on two pieces of wood. What happens if instead you have two pieces of metal? The hammer's not going to help you. You can't get where you're going from there. The hammer is the wrong tool. In fact, the fact that it's a tool is a problem. If you still like to think about visual as if it were a tool, a hammer, a bunch of point solutions, well, I would invite you to recast your thinking. I would invite you instead to think about the visual workplace, workplace visuality, not as point solutions, a bunch of point solutions, and not even as a tool. I would invite you to think of it as a system. In fact, I would go further. I would invite you to think about it as a system of systems. But no, even beyond that, I would invite you to think about visuality as the very ground in which those systems reside. Visuality as the very ground in which the systems of your company reside. Hmm? It is the background. It is the foundation. It is the ground that holds these systems and allow them to and allows them to function and to connect. So I say we are visual beings. Therefore we live in a visual world and it's not the other way around. The world didn't teach us to be visual. The fundamental ground of our workaday function of our experience, the landscape in which we work needs to be visual. Because that causes the work to work. That causes the work to happen and happen effectively, happen without struggle, without the recurrent mistakes, rework, efforting, efforting, efforting. Visuality, in addition to what I just said, allows you to find flow at work. That's what happens when you remove those struggles. You begin to find flow at work. And it is because we are by nature visual beings that visuality in the workplace is not just important. It is required. It is indispensable. It is imperative. And I want you to make that connection, please, between the reason that we need a visual workplace is because we are visual beings. And when it is absent from work, then in a sense, we can't use all of who we are. For example, let's talk about our eyes. What we see with our eyes can give us pleasure. You see a beautiful bird. There's a, there are some cooper hawks that came two years ago, and they're in our elm trees out front. One stopped the other day. I was sitting, it's summer here in Portland, very beautiful as well, sitting in the patio in the back, just kind of drifting off. And suddenly this young Cooper Hawk landed on a wire. And it was like, oh my gosh, because I had been hearing them chirping for months and months, but I never saw one. And there it was. It was magnificent. It was a pleasure to look at it. And I drank him in with my eyes. What we see with our eyes can fire our imagination. Look at some of the photos from the Hubble telescope. Look at anything of the cosmos. It fires our imagination. 
what we see with our eyes can rally our resources. If there's a national emergency, it's our eyes that's delivering the information and that triggers in us a response. If you're right there, you're going to respond and help people out or maybe you'll respond and run away because the danger is coming too close. It's fine. But you're responding to what you see. What we see with our eyes makes us feel deeply. I'm thinking in particular, actually, of a book that I recently read. I love this book. It's called Unlikely Friendships. It's an amazing book, and it kind of it opens our eyes and therefore our hearts to the amazing beings that we share the planet with, the animals. And we discover that compassion and empathy crosses special borders, and we see these unlikely friendships. For example, right now, the second I'm looking at a little kitty cat lying up, up against a great big alligator. A kitty cat lying next to an alligator. Maybe that's a lizard. It's awfully big. Or here we have a leopard snuggling up against a Brahmin cattle. How did this happen? An elephant and a sheep. Here's a big doggy with a tiny, tiny, tiny little piglet. It's called a pot belly piglet. I'm seeing this with my eyes and it's moving me deeply. There's something beyond cognition that is happening when I receive with my eyes. What I see with my eyes gives, also makes me laugh, makes me laugh. I'm, I'm thinking of this picture that I saw once, and I think you'll be able to get it on the radio, of a little chicken, and he's talking to a fried egg that's in front of him. Little chicken, you see a little picture of a little chicken, his little bill is open, and right in front of him is a fried egg. And he's saying, Pete, is that you? <laughs> Pete, is that you? Oh, crap. Oh, dear. (laughs) So what we see with our eyes is very active. We send messages with our eyes, and we receive them. But what we're talking about is really senses. The eye is one of our senses. We use them. We use our eyes to do all of this work, all of this connectivity, All of this information flows, but not just through our eyes, through all of our senses. Through our sense of hearing, through our sense of taste, through our sense of touch, through our sense of smell. Here's a scenario. Gas comes into the homes in the United States around the turn of the 20th century. So 1900, 1903, 1906. Gas comes in. I think it actually was around 1890. Gas comes in. I'll look it up. You can look it up too. We know where. Go to Google. I'll get you a more precise answer. Gas comes into the homes, and mom and pop make great meals. Mom makes a great meal. We eat the meal. Yummy, yummy. We go to bed. We don't get up the next morning. Next morning, our neighbors find us dead. There's no connection, is there, between the great meal that we had and the fact that everybody died? Did we die of the food? No. We didn't. We died because gas did not send us a message. It did not send a a message and therefore we did not respond. Natural gas is invisible. It's odorless. It's tasteless. It leaves no trace. It carries no message and therefore it triggers no behavior change. If it triggers no behavior change, then we will not change our behavior when it is escaping and filling our home when it becomes lethal and not helpful. 
And so these families died, and they died, and they died, and so many died that the city fathers, the national fathers, those who watched after us at that time said, we must make this stop. We must, how can we make this gas stop killing our citizens? Well, we're not going to withdraw the technology because it's far too useful. We have to be more clever than that. We have to somehow give the gas a voice. A voice so that it can carry and deliver a message to tell us to change our behavior. And the behavior, of course, is to turn the gas off before you go to sleep. And so we cleverly thought of putting sulfur in the natural gas, which was otherwise invisible, odorless, and tasteless. No smell, no look, no taste. We let the sulfur carry the message. And as a result, our behavior changes. So we've just had another great meal. Family is happy. Thanks, Mom. We're in bed with our honey. And I go, honey, is that you? Or did you forget to turn off the gas? Right? (laughs) One of my favorite jokes. Did you forget to uh, turn off the gas? Oh, my gosh, I did. Boom. And your honey runs down the stairs and turns off the gas. And another family is saved. But what we're looking here is about visual information sharing, but on a sensory level. On a sensory level, it is our other senses that can be deployed as well to help us do the right thing on time and quickly. Well, we're sliding into our second break, so we'll pick this up as soon as we come back. I'll be here. Thanks. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, hi. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. We're in the third segment of our show today, The Visual Workplace. Our phone number is 
866-472-5790, or you can send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com, and our website is visualworkplace.com. Please visit us there. Lots of good things happening there. So just before the break, we were talking about the fact that we use our senses continuously because that is the way we are set up as human beings. We are beings of our senses. We are sensory beings. We are equipped and eager to use those senses. And in fact, those senses are the way that we connect with our world, the world outside of us, the world inside of us. That is the way that we send and receive messages. And we must understand that a visual workplace functions so very well because humans populate it. Humans are using that workplace. And in using that workplace, we, are, we need to receive messages. And those messages need to be very precise, very timely, very complete, very accurate. They need to be in the form of devices that hold that information the way that hold that information and to send and that send the messages that we need right there at the moment, right now. As we illustrated just before the break with the gas, when the gas has no sensory condition whatsoever, invisible, odorless, tasteless, it can carry no message except after the fact after a defect is made and that defect was a lot of dead people because the gas wasn't telling us hey turn me off I need this behavior right now immediately very precisely so we put sulfur in the gas and the gas began to speak and as a result our behavior changed and that problem was dispensed of completely completely unless you intentionally wanted the gas on and kept it on You turned it off. It was so stinky. Sulfur was a good choice. It cut across all language barriers. It cut across all emotional attitudes, all cognitive uh, mindsets, and you got the behavior change. Didn't matter. You see, that's why we need a visual workplace. Why not? in the workplace. Why not? We are visual beings. We are sensory beings. We are equipped and eager to send and receive messages naturally. And in fact, that is the way we best receive it. The worst way is to have the printed word, to have to absorb what, is am, I, what am I supposed to be doing by somebody, for example, talking to you yeah, 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 yeah. Managing you, micromanaging you, having a Q&A, training, retraining. Why not build that intelligence in through visual devices? Because through that black box we called our brain, these messages are naturally translated. And what are they translated into? First, meaning, and from that meaning, action. It happens in a nanosecond. In a nanosecond. The ability of the brain, or if you want to call it the mind, to take messages and make sense out of them and trigger action. I saw a great movie last night. It's called Lucy with Scarlett Johansson. And it was terrific. 
It was about mega intelligence. It happened to her accidentally, but she used it very, very well. And it talked about how the cells are communicating with each other a thousand times a second. You know, seven seconds just went by when I said those words. A thousand times a second. We are extremely exquisite beings. Extremely exquisite. (laughs) We're extremely exquisite. (laughs) And we're extremely unique. (laughs) We have this mechanism, use it. When we don't use it in the workplace, human beings are lost. The combination of our senses and our mind create an understanding within us of a matter that is vast and crucial and entirely, entirely appealing. And you must get this, and that is relationship. Our sensory mechanisms give us the opportunity to be connected relationship, relationship between ourselves and others, between us and the things of the world, machines, tools, this elegant nexus of our senses, this nexus, this nest, this crossing point of our senses, our mind, and experience. They come together completely and compellingly every day, every moment, in every way, in our homes, in the community. Why not also at work? Why don't we use the very stratum of who we are, that we are sensory beings at work? We have to satisfy that need for sensory information. That's what visuality is about. It's about sharing information sensorially, not just through our eyes. But through all of our senses, we happen to be eye-dominant right now at this phase in our development. For lots and lots of reasons, you know, when you leave the computer and your eyes are just hanging out of your head, you wish that you were, and your bottom hurts as well. Your bottom do- dominant and eye-dominant. <laughs> they were both, both ends are suffering. Why not also at work? We see so many great examples, stunning examples in the community. I've always said, and I've said it to you a thousand times, our best example of a comprehensive visual workplace, visual environment, is our roads and highway systems. I thought only in, in the United States, and then you know, I started traveling, and then I saw it was the same thing in the UK and in Europe, and now I know it happens in China. Masses of people! And they have a lot of information that's being shared in their highways and a lot of speed bumps so that it isn't all read visual information. A lot of it is built in structurally, visual controls. A lot of lights, a lot of directionals, massive amount of people, countdowns at their traffic lights, fantastic. That is why human-based environments are flooded with visual devices, Because they're human-based. Why not also the workplace? The workplace needs to be a visual, a sense-based environment because we are visual, sense-based beings. Because we are visual, sense-based beings. Sensory beings. Without visuality at work, we are quite literally lost. We have no navigational anchor. Think of it as a desert. There's no distinctiveness. We have no navigational anchor. 
that puts us in a state of risk. Without visuality, work gets complicated and therefore unproductive. We struggle. And it shows on our bottom line and in our hearts. We don't want to go to work. We hate the idea of going to work. We go to work, we're grumpy on our way to work, we're grumpy at work, and we're grumpy on the way back. It's too much struggle. We have to make our work environments fit for human beings. And I'm not talking about group therapy or pretty, pretty colored toilet paper. I mean that the information that is almost universally hidden at work is surfaced and turned into visual devices so that we can act independently and correctly based on the visual information, the sensory information that is shared with us. We're sight dominant now, but if you look around, you will see in visual workplaces and even in your own lives, good examples of using the ear, of using listening, hearing. You'll see less of taste, of course. You'll see some kinetic or touch-based systems. Some are, especially, for example, if you go to a, in a fighter plane and you think of the fighter plane as the workplace for a jet fighter pilot, you'll have gnarled patterns on the, um, on the joystick to help the pilot distinguish between various functions and various buttons. They'll use size. Color will be secondary because... If the pilot is doing his job, his eyes are on the heads-up display. If his hand is on the joystick, his, which is the shooting stick, the gun, his eyes are on the heads-up display right ahead. He can't look down to, to uh, uh, respond to the color coding. He has to feel it. And so we have the gnarl pattern. We have the sizing. We have the shape. We have the sharpness, the dullness of the edge. We're using our tactile sense. We're using sense of touch. Those are high-risk environments where speed is very important, and you'll see more senses brought in when there's more uh, risk in a very confined uh, time, like in a uh, fighter jet. But if we look in the community, I'm dying to give you, I decided I was going to share the following example with you during our show today, to give you an example in the community. I'll, I'll start this. Um, we're going into our, our third break, but I'm going to start it now. So in the community, what's a good example? Well, I'm going to give you a good example. So there's this airport in Holland. It's called Schiphol. It's in the Netherlands. And it has a reputation throughout the world of having the cleanest men's rooms in the world. The cleanest. You know, you've been, if you're a guy or a woman, you know it can get pretty messy. <laughs> but Schiphol has kind of award-winning world-class, clean men's room. And how do they do it? How do they do it? I ask you that. My friends and my neighbors, how do they do it? Well, I will tell you after our break. And I bet you can hardly wait. I'll see you in a minute. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to the fourth segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace, where we we are talking about the importance of us realizing that we are sensory, sense-based beings, and therefore a visual workplace becomes not just important, but indispensable. Indispensable to our performance because we are beings, creatures, if you will, humans. Because we are beings who receive messages through our senses. When those messages are not sense-based, when we can't pull that information to us directly and immediately, when and as we need it, we become less than what we are. Less of our capability is used. And in most workplaces, very little of our capabilities are used in terms of sensory-based information sharing. The dominance is visual devices, stuff that we see we respond to, devices that we see like that. I'm going to give you an example in the community. I was talking just before the break about Skipold and airport in Holland. Massive, massive, massive airport. You need to spend a half, you need to set aside a half an hour just to get from one gate to another. I've, I've missed a flight in that airport more than once simply because I've misjudged the walking distance. It's huge. Anyway, it's, they also have the cleanest men's rooms in the world. And although I've never been inside of one, I did see pictures. And when, and the picture shows me the urinal. And so there's a picture of a urinal it's clean, it's, you know, easy to look at, just looks like a kind of object with a drain at the bottom, all 
drain at the bottom, although there's a tiny little spot on it. And your eye kind of follows the spot, and then you look at the next picture, which is the blow-up, and you see that the spot, which looks like just a kind of mar, it's black, kind of grayish black, is actually, oh my goodness, what is that? What is that? Oh my goodness, it's a fly. There's a fly that's stuck inside the urinal. But wait a minute, it's not stuck. It's not stuck. It is engraved in the porcelain. It is part of the design of the urinal. And it is placed in a kind of odd, asymmetrical place. It is kind of off-kilter, kind of to the left, kind of to the upper left above the drain. And you're thinking, how odd. What a funny design choice. But then you think of the urinal as a place of performance. I hope this is okay with you. I'm not offending you. You know, I'm, I'm rather clinical about these things because they are so interesting. And you understand. Someone put a behavioral element in the urinal by design in order to get exact performance, in order to eliminate 100% the motion we call cleaning. We don't have to clean up around it anymore because it is used the way it was designed, correctly, precisely, reliably, repeatedly. Fantastic. Can you imagine that? A little fly. Huh? And you know what, my friend, it's such a clever idea. My great friend, Brian Levitin, who is the head of Lean Australia in Australia, outside of Sydney, he sent me a picture just about two weeks ago because he, he and I have had many discussions about this, that has a, an Australian urinal, and what it has is a little green pad, a kind of netted pad, it's got holes in it, with a, um, a so- like a soccer um, gate where the, where the goalkeeper stays, and a little soccer ball. And, you know, he, it came with no words. It just said, ha, huh, have you seen this one? <laughs> And it is an aiming device. Who can resist this? It's an aiming device. Test your skill. Can you hit the little ball? Because if you do, the floor will be clean. Beautiful visual thinking. Beautiful logic to remove the motion of cleaning up. We get the behavior aligned. We don't make a mess anymore. Why not also at work? Because this is essentially, this is in, in its essence, this is essentially what we are doing with visuality at work. Only we have other specifications and other performance, other things. Our workplaces need to be visual, sense-friendly environment because we are visual, sense-based beings. We are sensory beings. And it is because we are that by nature that workplace visuality is not just important. It is imperative. No, it is indispensable. Without visuality, work gets complicated. There's struggle. Look at our roads and highways as your example. Why not the workplace? Why not implement the visual workplace? So you can execute work with safety, precision, completeness, and flow. A flow that you and others can control at will. You can be happy at your work. You can feel satisfied and rewarded. You can give a good day's work to your company, there will be no gap because the gap is governed by visual, sensory-based devices that you put there, that you designed in. 
the sensory logic that surrounds us at work. We don't need to be motivated then. We want to experience the world of work then. We want to understand it, and that brings us to deeper and deeper levels, more complete levels of visuality. We want to experience the logic of work as beauty, not as something offensive. We want to go to work, frankly, and be exhilarated, or at least be happy. You don't have to be in a high, exhilarated state every minute. So that immediately recasts, for example, 5S. We won't go into this right now, but I could. The connection between visual beings and 5S. So, this is our show today. This is what I wanted to share with you, that we are visual beings and therefore we live in a visual world, not the other way the other way around. The world did not teach us to communicate visually. We taught it because we are sensory beings equipped and eager to send and receive messages. That is why human-based environments are flooded or should be flooded with visual devices, with devices that speak. Hmm? Without it, we are quite literally lost. So, that's an important foundational lesson or learning or discussion that we're having. Very, very important. It has to do with our brain function, the way we're set up physically, sensorially. So I want to thank you very much for uh, listening in today. I have one short announcement before we close for the day. I am extremely busy on developmental projects and on visiting clients for the next two months Somewhere in the middle of September, I will begin live shows again. But in the meantime, I'm going to look for some really great encores for you. Some of you who are new listeners, they'll be new to you. But some of you who have been listening for two or three years, thank you very much, by the way, they will be repeats. But I think repeats that you will welcome. You know, I was listening to NPR the other day, and I saw that when people go on vacation, They go on vacation and they don't show up at the studio once a week to do a show, nor do they spend the hours needed to develop that show. And I just find myself running ragged because I want to do a good job for you and because I want you to like visuality and want it for yourself. I want you to feel confident that this is within your reach and that it may in fact be the missing piece at work. So I I work very hard to make these shows good for you. But you know what? I'm just running out of steam. I'm almost caught up in my sleep from China. But then I also had to go someplace last week. So I'm going to do my best to pick out some really great encores. And we will begin again with new material, with new shows on executive leadership about uh, probably September 15th, maybe October 1st, because I've got a big training of trainers. And... um in uh, in September. So uh, I, I want to thank you very much for listening. I've told you before how very important it is for me to know that you're out there and that you are interested in what I find interesting in workplace visuality and how that can help not only our bottom line but also our hearts and our willingness to contribute to the companies that have given us employment. All of that is one piece Uh, So, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I had a wonderful time with you today, truly so. 
and I look forward to the next time. I'm signing off now. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.